Hey y'all, welcome to my podcast, Absurd Art. My name's Liz, and this is the place where I talk about everything absurd with art. On this podcast, I like to highlight interesting, nutty, wild stories all about art, about artists, about museums, and just about anything absurd that you can find along the way. I try to make art history more interesting and entertaining, so if you find art history a bit of a snooze like I typically do, you've definitely come to the right place. I do all of my own research, mostly online, and I compile it here in a podcast just for you every week on Tuesdays. I'm not a prestigious professional in the art world or anything like that. I'm simply an enthusiast, if you will. And that being said, I may get a few things wrong or I may leave out a few things, but hey, I'm doing the best that I absolutely can. So I didn't really know what to talk about this week, so I went back to my old notes whenever I first decided that I wanted to make a podcast, and I found the topic that I really wanted to talk about then, and I haven't yet, so... And that topic is that the British Museum's artifacts are sort of on loan from other countries that they essentially took them from. Today I'm going to be talking about the Elgin marbles, also known as the Parthenon marbles, from the Acropolis in Athens, Greece. So I first learned about this topic when I was studying ancient antiquity in Dublin. I took two classes on ancient Greece and Rome, and I found it so fascinating. I was really surprised by that. I thought I was going to absolutely hate it. But the way that they lived and their thought process, their laws and ideas were just so interesting. And in some ways, it kind of laid the foundation for how society is today. I'm not really here to talk about antiquity. I'm more here to talk about the British Museum. But I will have to talk a little bit about antiquity just so you understand the history and the story that I'm trying to tell. So the British Museum is known to have many artifacts, including the Rosetta Stone, and I didn't know this whenever I visited the British Museum, but they have the Rosetta Stone there, so I missed it. But I did make sure to see these Parthenon marbles that I had studied right before I went, and I was just so excited to see them. Anyways, the British Museum has one of the largest permanent collections of human culture on Earth. That is around 8 million works. So I say works, that means like artifacts and artwork, you know, jewelry, anything in between, really. So they have all these artifacts, right? But how did they acquire all of them? Well, essentially, they looted them, borrowed them, whatever term you prefer to use, from other countries during the time that the British Empire was a thing. But when the British Empire was a thing, they were colonizing and essentially taking artifacts and precious things from different cultures all around the world. I'm going to give a little bit of background on Athens and the Athenians now. So in Athens, Greece, it's where the Athenians lived. In this time, it was BC, so 700-400 BC. And the Athenians at this time, they invented democracy Although the definition of that has changed over time, it's not really the same democracy that you would see now, at least in America. And in this time, they had, you know, their Greek gods like Zeus, Apollo, Poseidon. They were really big on theater and philosophy. And overall, in my opinion, they were super advanced for their time, especially when it comes to architecture. 
So their main and most historically significant area in Athens was called the Acropolis. And the Acropolis is on top of a massive hill, but it really is just kind of like a massive rock in the middle of the modern day city at this point. And it's, you know, mostly a tourist attraction because there is so much history. It's really fascinating to go to, although it is it is a tourist attraction. So on this giant rock known as the Acropolis, there's a big building called the Parthenon, and it has big columns. And on this, there are a lot of different types of marbles that are telling the story of Athens and how it came to be and the battles that they went through in the past to get where they are now. And it's all etched in these marbles, right? Yeah, that's basically the marbles that we're talking about here. So the way I learned about the British taking these marble stories, essentially, is that they basically took them for safekeeping until later down the line, the Greeks would be able to build a museum and house them themselves in Athens. And I think that's totally understandable. Like, yeah, if I have some amazing artifacts and I don't have a place to keep them, sure, I will let someone else borrow them so other people can view them in a proper way in a climate-controlled environment. But this was um, in the 1800s, whenever early 1800s, whenever all of this happened. So in 2009, the Greeks actually built a museum right next to the Acropolis, just across the street, and they have a lot of artifacts there, and it's actually a really, really nice museum. It's not just some shack where, you know, they're just putting the artifacts in. It's very well done. The architecture of the museum is absolutely beautiful. So the modern-day Greeks have a space to put all of the artifacts from the British that are on loan, if you will. I'm not exactly sure if that's the correct term, but... And they are still in the British Museum in London. So now I'm going to address how the British acquired the Parthenon marbles. So there was this guy named Lord Elgin. And he loved art, and he loved culture, and he thought that these marbles should be preserved in some way before any further damage or aging could be done. And in the summer of 1800, he had permission to dispatch some artists to sketch the monuments at the Acropolis, right? So they had trouble doing this, like many of them that came before. They had to pay admission fees. And the marbles that they wanted to sketch were really high up on this building, so it was really hard to do. So Lord Elgin knew that these artifacts could be at risk from neglect, vandalism, war. And so the next year, he got the okay from the Ottoman Empire, also known as the Turkish, to fix the scaffolding, to make molds of the marbles, and to take away the old pieces that no longer mattered. So taking the marbles was not his original plan. It was to sketch them and preserve them in some type of way for the future. But the Ottoman Empire gave him permission to take them away, essentially. But they didn't really make it clear which ones he could take. And also there's no documentation of this ever happening, except for he said, she said. So we don't know for sure. But from 1803 to 1812, 
Lord Elgin made multiple shipments of these marble artifacts to London. And an interesting fact is that there was a lot of difficulties with these shipments. At one point, one of the ships sank, and the the marbles were at the bottom of the ocean for three years. They finally had some divers come out and recover them. But I just find it a little bit ironic that he took them for safekeeping and then they spent three years in the ocean. Obviously, not all of them were on the boat that sank, but it's just a little ironic, right? And so some people called him out and the British Parliament got involved, but he released a statement that put an end to the drama. And the British supported his actions, and they ended up buying the marbles from him for 35,000 British pounds, which is a lot less than what he was asking for. And obviously, the price today would be a lot more than just 35,000 British pounds with inflation and all that. So what exactly did they take? They took a frieze, which is the long, narrow part that tells a story They took quite a few metopes, which are the squares that have one scene from the story on it. And then they took the main sculptures in the triangular roof area and then various other sculptures around the Acropolis. In total, these make up around half of the stories that were being told on the original Parthenon. To this day, it's not completely known if the marbles being taken was completely legal or not, or if Lord Elgin even had permission, because it wasn't until the 1820s until the Greeks had control over the area again. And then finally, in the 1970s, the Greeks decided to get real when it comes to the restoration of the Acropolis, including the Parthenon. And the Greeks frequently asked for the Parthenon marbles back, but the British Museum still keeps them. They even have a space for them in the museum in Athens, but what this space is is just plaster casts of what should actually be there. And the modern-day Greeks see the Parthenon marbles as a large part of their heritage, and they've asked for their return so many times, but the British always fight it by claiming that more people from the public will be able to see them in London rather than in Athens. A lot of world-renowned museums have done this, There are many different ways to acquire art and artifacts, and this kind is debated very frequently. And there is the idea that if the British Museum does return the marbles to Athens, that other countries will begin asking for their things back as well. And then the British Museum's collection will be significantly changed. And then this could happen to other museums that are in the same situation that have done the same thing. But surprisingly, some of these museums have actually returned some of the artifacts. In 2006, the British Museum returned an Australian Aboriginal cremation. And I'm not sure how they got that or why they wanted that. But the same thing basically happened in 2010 with the Smithsonian, who returned Aborigines body parts. And then, you know, there's some small artifacts here and there that museums will return back to the country that it came from. But it's very rare, and I really just think that it's because they don't want to completely alter their permanent collection and risk changing it. So the Parthenon marbles, also known as the Elgin marbles, are still at the British Museum today, where more people from the public can view them, but it is at the cost of the Greeks missing a part of their heritage and history in their own country. There was a poll done in 2002, 
And the majority of the British actually want them to be returned to Greece under certain conditions. But that poll was almost 20 years ago now, so it's hard to say what their opinion is now, although the opinions of the Greeks definitely has not changed. But this topic brings up the question, who owns history and how can we correct the past? While I understand both sides of the story, I believe that the British should admit their wrongdoings because it's pretty messed up. The Greeks are asking for it back, right? So give it back. And the British Empire should work to right these wrongs. And I'm not sure if they are working on that, but both museums, the British Museum and the Acropolis Museum in Athens, are both closed due to the pandemic. So maybe they have something in the works. Who knows? But if you enjoyed this podcast, please take the time to rate five stars on iTunes. Tell a friend about this podcast if you think they might be interested. And thank you for listening. I'll be back for another episode next Tuesday.